0: and Lightheart and the Voluntarists are caught in a treacherous battle between the free markets and socialism. The scales now tip towards the collective. Our three warriors must guard against the attack as they plan their strike. Great responsibility has been placed upon John Phillips Jr., who is running mate for the freedom fighter, Kimberly Ruff. John's plan is to use the power of liberty and politics to shine a light on the corruption within the dark and grave political system. John Phillips Jr. has watched the message of individual liberty get unnecessarily muddled and watered down. And now armed with his leather jacket of freedom, he hopes to strike back with precision and accuracy. The Liberty Freedom Fighters has assigned Liberty Down to retrieve the guns from the gun grabbers and the double crats. Will Johnny and Raylene hold back the collective? Will John Phillips Jr. and his leather jacket of freedom away the the powers that be to vote for them. Stay tuned to hear John Phillips Jr. on episode 41 of Blast Off with Johnny Rocket. Transmitting directly from the launch pad.
1: (laughs) Bringing blue collar to your cell tower. The Rock and Roll Libertarian himself. It's time to Blast Off with Johnny Rocket. You got to make
2: an old record machine, and you got to dig that rockabilly seat. You know you got to dig that hip-hop high, and you got to dig an old sub-fire firebump. Hey, this is Blast Off with Johnny Rocket, and I am here with my ray of truth, Miss Ridley Lightheart. Yeah. Bam. Locked and loaded. Locked and loaded. Okay, so what was funny is we were having some technical difficulties. But what was funny is you were telling me about this website you were on during our, you know, our technical difficulties. Yeah. What is this? I gotta hear what this is about. Cause this is funny, and I think our listeners would like to know. I know it's secrets. And it's yeah. like Fight Club. You're saying you can't let anyone know about it. But- I
3: mean, I'm sure lots of libertarians and anarchists out there know that even on the oppressive mediums that we have for social media, there's a lot of secret meme groups out there and posting things with really crazy. <laughs> and it's it's someone added me to this meme group and it's really fun. But they kind of haze you in the beginning and you have to post pictures of <laughs> guns and asses and preferably sharpies is, is kind of what they, they make you post these things. And, um, and this is, so you could these stay. are libertarians? Yeah, a lot of anarchists and libertarians, yeah. Okay. So it's, it's a really fun, so they'll take your personal pics off of your profile and start photoshopping them and send them back to you. And you got to have a good sense of humor and not take anything seriously. But these groups are just, they entertain the sh- And these people are really funny.
2: Okay. They're funny. Okay. Thanks, world. Yeah. Thanks, world. Okay. That's (laughs) interesting. And so it's secret squirrel, anarchy, libertarian.
3: Yeah. Get out there. Find them. They're funny. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, here
2: on the show, running for the least understood, most ridiculed, and often the most ignored constitutional office in the federal government, most people really don't understand the vice presidential office. Our framers created the vice presidency almost as an afterthought. In setting up a system for electing presidents, they devised an electoral college and provided that each of its members was to vote for two people. John Phillips Jr. is a businessman, mechanic, writer, activist, and jack-of-all-trades. The owner and operator of a gas station and an auto repair facility in central Illinois. Phillips has owned, operated, and managed businesses in a variety of fields, including auto repair, transportation, hospitality, and IT. John Phillips Jr. founded his county chapter for the Libertarian Party of Illinois and helped co-found multiple others. In 2018, Phillips was elected to represent Region 6, which consists of Illinois, Missouri, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, North Dakota, South Dakota on the Libertarian National Committee. John is currently running for City Council in Decatur, Illinois, and for Vice President of the United States. Okay, Raylene, prepare for liftoff.
3: Copy that, Johnny.
2: Covers, tie-downs, and grounding cables.
3: Removed as required.
2: Communications connected. Check. Pre-amps in the green. Check. Gold beer.
3: Double check. Thrusters are hot. Raylene, are you ready to rock? All go, Johnny.
2: Let's blast off with John Phillips, Jr.
1: guys, how
2: are you today? Good, good. Hanging in there. Doing well. We're just learning about this Reddit page, as you probably heard. I did? Yeah. I don't know if I'm not in on the cool factor. I'm not in on Reddit. I normally don't go there.
1: I don't go to Reddit either, but I do have a friend we've got some pictures of that would fit right in that group. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well, I'm sure. I'm sure. No, and it's it's crazy. You know, you have to have a good sense of humor if you're a libertarian. We live in this world with our ideas, and they're kind of, you know, we're... Under a, a tyrannical government, and right now, I mean, it's good to have a sense of humor and and laugh, at and sometimes it's good to laugh at ourselves. And I believe a good vice presidential candidate will pull very well, especially when they have a funny sense of humor. So to start this off, Mister Phillips, would you mind telling us a joke? It could be clean, it could be dirty. I don't give. A just tell us a joke.
1: Okay. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> Put me on the spot with a joke. Uh, yeah. And then now my mind has gone completely blank. Okay, what do you get when you cross an elephant with a kangaroo? I don't know. Potholes all over Australia. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. There you go.
2: Okay, so, John, I'm going to ask you the obvious question. You're running under the Ruff Phillips campaign, Ruff Phillips 2020, and you can find it at ruffphillips2020.com. But here's the thing. It, this is the obvious question, and I'm sure you're going to get this all the time. Why do you want to run for vice president, and what skills and abilities and experience do you have that you think would make the best vice presidential candidate?
1: Okay, well, for why I want to run, because we've had issues with vice presidential candidates in the past that are good at uh, presenting the libertarian message. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I feel like that's a strength of mine
4: mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and I'm not completely insane like some of the other candidates. So. OK, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah, it's good to know, <laughs> the, 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 you know, since I'm actually doing it, that might be open for debate.
3: Nice. So when you're doing your outreach, what have you noticed is uh, resonating with the most people And is there a difference between people in the party and people outside of the party and your approach?
1: People inside the party want to talk about principles and want to debate fine points and things like that. People outside the party just want to understand how it applies to them. Mm -hmm. And so what's resonated pretty well with me is when I asked them the very simple question, what was the last thing government did well other than take your money? Mm.
2: That's a good question because I can't think of anything.
1: Exactly. And that's, I sit there and I wait and I wait. Mm. And then eventually they'll make a joke and be like, okay, I get your point. And then we have a conversation from
3: there. Well, yeah, it
2: it goes back to that whole point. I say to people, I said, what would you rather go to a department store or the DMV? And I was just bringing up a department store because it's the first thing I could think of as a free market solution. But most people would say, well, I'd rather go to the store than the DMV because that's a nightmare. And I go, exactly. They have nothing to lose. They can be rude. It doesn't matter. We're in the department store. They're competing for your business. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's just like, yeah. And if the government does do something pretty cool, let's just say like NASA, it's just a big pit where it would have co- It costs four or five, maybe six times more money than it would if you had a free market solution to that problem. You know what exactly.
1: I'm saying? Exactly. We just had actually that come up in a, in a debate for my city council race. One of the other candidates is very proud of how the city council brought in fiber optics to our city. And she said, and she would, that was her answer to my question. She goes, that's one thing the governor did, the government did well. My answer was, no, it didn't do it well, mm-hmm. right. because I've been places with good fiber optics and that's not where we're at. And uh, two, it actually was paid for by Howard Buffett and he, and they did most of the work. So it was not really government that did it.
3: Boom. Bam. Don't you you love breaking up the uh, people's beliefs and helping them, you know, put cracks in there so they can actually see the reflected light and actually see the truth in what you're saying? Isn't that very rewarding? Yes.
2: Well, it's it's the seen and the unseen. I mean, everyone goes, well, look at this bridge that we bought, we made with all the taxpayer money. But what could have been built instead? It's an economic ideology that nobody really understands is the unseen. So you're running for vice president. You have an amazing campaign. You've been working very, very hard having five or six hour conversations because I know this because my wife is on your campaign. So she is the running for president. So tell us about your campaign team that you and Kim have built. What are the most important principles you guys follow as a team?
1: As a team, uh, first of all, everything has got to apply uh, with the SOP and the platform. Okay. Every statement. Everything has got to be vetted that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we'd like to have fun. Yeah, we're not browbeating anybody. We're not. Yeah, you know, so we have uh, we have our business chat and we have our fun chat. Mm-hmm. But uh, we make everybody sign off on the nap. Okay,
3: nice. I was nice. gonna take
1: so, one later. Yeah. yeah.
3: So everybody is. <laughs> on your team is actually united under the shared values of the statement of principles which is very friendly to anybody who understands what the initiation of aggression is and wanting consent and voluntarism ultimately right
1: exactly exactly cool. and that's that's our that's our biggest thing and then we're really pushing to we hope to win we want to win but we're really pushing exposure for the down ticket candidates mm-hmm. and so we nice. are working with several of them you know, they give us advice on policy. We listen to what they've got to say. We promote their positions and it's a symbiotic relationship. Very cool. Yeah.
2: Now regarding the Libertarian Party and how they vote for president and vice president separately, you and Kim are running as a slate. What would happen if one of you gets knocked out of the race? What would you do if Kim got knocked out? Would you try to run for president? And if she got knocked out, would you try to run, you know, vice versa?
1: Well, Actually, if she gets knocked out, I don't think I can because that's the then I'll I'll be too late for nominations. But no, we have both said, like, if she gets knocked out, she's going to come work for me. If I get knocked out, I'm going to go work for her.
2: Okay, very cool. Very cool.
3: Nice. So how do you two depend on each other? for keeping each other focused on what you guys are doing and the game plan and the approach and even with your social media interaction because we all know that this is an educational tool what you guys are doing is about outreach and and like you said down ticket so how do you guys keep each other accountable and how do you kind of figure out where you guys want to put your attention
1: well we divide and conquer honestly uh Mm -hmm. we uh You know, looked at uh, different conventions we're going to go to. We look at different appearances. Uh, We look at different things to focus on. And while we know that we both agree on these things, there are some things that she is more versed in than I am and vice versa. She might talk about one subject better than I do, and I might talk about one subject better than she does. So we just work as a team. It's very symbiotic. I hate to use that word again, but symbiotic relationship. Mm -hmm. We're, We're very, very in sync. We don't actually have to ask each other questions very often. Usually uh, it, it's one of us because we both can get a little fiery from time to time. Mm-hmm. And, and so if there's anything, it's, you know, her calling me up going, hey, maybe we ought to calm down on that a little bit or me doing the reverse to her. So
2: exactly. No, I know how it is. I live with her. Yeah, but I know. Can
3: I, more, <laughs> can I ask one more question about that? Yeah, um, ahead, ahead. Where do your strengths lie? But or, or maybe not even strength. Where are your passions? The two of you, it sounds like you're on the same page and that you're working for the same thing, which is great. But where do you see Kim really having strength in her positions and understanding of certain topics? And where are your passions in libertarianism?
1: Kim's strengths are very detailed and she completely understands the Constitution. She is so well versed in it that she shocks sometimes constitutional lawyers. Nice. And she has a lot of passion for reducing government overall, but doing so in a way That is accomplishable. And we're not, you know, some candidates have said, oh, they're just going to go in there and they're going to, you know, sign an order to dissolve the federal government and walk out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We know that that's not a realistic. And uh, so she has got a game plan detailed on, hey, we're going to work on this. We're going to do that. My passions, um, I tend to be very strong about the Second Amendment, uh, mm-hmm. criminal justice reform,
4: mm-hmm.
1: particularly civil asset forfeiture, but uh, also yeah. in the decriminalization of drugs right? and how that victimizes the populace. Those are probably my two biggest passions. Uh, the, uh, obviously, the rest is uh, let's start getting government out of the way. That's my tagline in my city council campaign, and I continue to keep using it is uh, the like, for instance, I was talking to somebody the other day about the Federal Department of Education, which boo. Yes. Even if you think it's a great idea, when a great idea becomes not cost effective, you've got to start questioning it. And when we look at the Federal Department of Education and all the money they take in something like 73 percent goes to administration. Sure.
0: Wow.
2: Absolutely. Yes. I've known this. Yeah. It's ridiculous, man.
1: So they take 73% of our tax dollars or, you know, of that portion of our tax dollars and just spend it on paying each other. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then act act like they're doing us a favor. Yeah, exactly.
3: Typical government.
2: Knowing Kim, she's an anarchist, and she is really knowledgeable on the Constitution and a constitutionally limited campaign. That's what you guys are kind of doing. Do you think that's an effective move to get to a free society? I mean, I guess most anarchists do not believe in the Constitution and think it doesn't provide enough liberty to the individual. What would be your thoughts on this? Is it just a move in the right direction? And what do you hope
1: to do in the long run? Uh, Kim and I actually discussed this, and what we said is, is that uh, getting back to the Constitution would be a start. okay? Um, and honestly, how far we've gotten is a bit, you know, how far we've gotten away from the Constitution, it's a pretty big start. Mm-hmm. The, uh, I mean the, the federal government has gone exponentially beyond the restrictions um, that are implicit in the Constitution. And so just getting us reeled back to that point is a huge task. It would be a big start. But then, you know, as you say, there are lots of things in the Constitution that really do limit freedom. Uh, So let's get to that point as a start. And then once we've got that rolling, let's start reeling out more freedoms.
3: So this is a really principled approach to the word pragmatism instead of how people maybe in the party sometimes use it. How do you set yourself apart from uh, other people who use the word pragmatism? Um, There's somebody in my state who often uses the word and, and I don't think she knows what it means. I'm just, where are you at with that?
1: All right. Here's the difference with me and pragmatism. A lot of people think, oh, pragmatism means we've got to give up something. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, My answer is no, we don't have to give up something. We may be willing, we may have to be willing to accept a little less, but like, you know, for instance, I'm not going to, you know, I might argue for decriminalization of all drugs and accept the legalization of marijuana as a start.
2: Cool. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, it's not meeting halfway. See, I have a a thing is if you're a libertarian and I agree with you, I think that's a good starting point. Because if you come out there and say we're going to abolish the government, no one's going (laughs) to. Let's just be honest with ourselves, right? Like I'm a principled guy. I know where we want to go, but you're not going to be spouting non-libertarian things and you're going to do everything in your power to try to make the world with less government and have more freedom for the individual and yourself. So I understand that. But I think a lot of people do get the idea of pragmatism versus, well, we need a little bit of gun control because we have to meet, you know, reach across the aisle. I
3: think it's. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Let's go. Let's eliminate gun control all the way back, at least as far as 1934. But uh, the. They all all think trading is OK. And to a certain point, maybe it is. But, you know, hey, I'm not going to say, OK, hey, I'll give you a little bit of gun control if you give me a little bit of marijuana. No. No, nah, yes. exactly.
3: Yes, you get it. Like,
1: that's not pragmatic. That's selling out. That's, that's right. status. Now, John,
2: you're currently running a campaign for city council in Decatur, Illinois. That's funny because I was telling you that a lot of my family lives in Decatur. Um, Are you running an aggressive campaign in the hopes of getting elected? And if so, what bearing does this have on your vice presidential race? And then finally, if you aren't running a serious campaign, how is this going to affect people's perception of your dedication to any position you run for? Uh,
1: I absolutely am running a very serious campaign. I have been going to multiple events. I've been interviewed on the radio, the newspaper, the TV. That's absolutely a serious campaign. I've been out door knocking. I've gone out and, uh, you know, I was actually recognized the other day. I walked into an event and people I didn't even know recognized me as, hey, you're the get government out of the way guy. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's cool. That's good. So it's absolutely serious. If I get elected, honestly, city council position here is a part-time position and it, it pays a whole $4,000 a year. That's awesome. <laughs> you can, like, that's perfect, you can live off that. Right. And, and meets every two weeks. Okay. That's not too bad. So, you know, while there's some things you got to pay attention to and do some research, it's research I'm doing anyway. And I would be doing as part of the vice presidential campaign to keep up on issues. So I I don't see a huge conflict there. And honestly, if people ask me about it, what I'm going to say is, hey, you know, if I get the vice presidential nomination and I'm working as a city council member, I can use the vice presidential campaign to bring attention to local issues mm-hmm. and vice versa. I can use that to bring national issues to local attention that may be, might being ignored. Exactly. Wow.
3: So we were just talking about other types of candidates and how uh, some of the crazies and, and I'm a kind of person that wonders I am always doing the people science and, and I've noticed that there are two ways to look at the most radical and the most unbending. And when somebody is really pragmatically approachable in how they're they're talking about the taking the presidency and getting back to the Constitution first and then going from there and the way that you guys are kind of talking about it and looking at it in bite-sized pieces, do you believe that the more radical candidates are actually showing how practical you are or helping with Doing the shock and awe over on the side so that you could scoop up the actual voters? Or do you think that they're actually hurting your brand and your messaging? Where are you at with that?
1: That's a very good question. The answer is really um, more the fir- prior, the first part of that. I mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, them going out on a limb, and I don't object to that. I mm-hmm. uh, Them going out on a limb and making. Keep
2: opening your mouth, Vermin. <laughs> <No. laughs>
1: I'm kidding. <laughs> making make, making bold statements, uh, you know, draws it does draw attention to some things. I think that sometimes some of them have gotten a little carried away, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it does absolutely showcase that the difference is. I would say that the difference is that uh, we can present a, a radical message while being pragmatic in application, but we can present that radical message in a palatable way, right? Mm-hmm. Opposed to going out and screaming all veterans are murderers, all teachers are rapists, you know. No,
2: I'm with you on this. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. No, and I think there's some validity in that. And I think us being radicals, we're radical in this. We are the true radicals. uh, uh, Actually, the true pragmatists of the radicals, I guess. Radicalism, in my opinion, now has just become pragmatism. It really is. The radical caucus of the Libertarian Party is very much a bunch of pragmatists, in my mind, how they think. Then you have and they're out there. Now, referring to your campaign and how you guys are going to present your information, we have a lot of democratic socialists, and they have become extremely appealing to a lot of people. You know, I yeah. have a saying I used to always say, it's hard to compete against somebody who likes to give out <laughs> f-. What strategy will you and Kim try to implement to change this way of thinking around, especially nowadays?
1: The democratic socialists, you know, like you said, a lot of them want f- And it's hard to argue with wanting f- But first of all, you have to show them that it's not. And then second of all, you have to show them that it is poor quality.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: Word.
1: And then third of all, you have to show them that it's not free. Exactly. Yeah. You know, what's the the thing on the news lately about uh, the Finnish government uh, having to fold over socialized health care? Beautiful. It's not. Now, their system is not a true single payer system. But at the same, you know, we're just, oh, that'll be the excuse they use, blah, blah, blah. But OK, they didn't even go all the way and they still couldn't pay for it.
3: Yeah. Well, did you listen to the Tim Mowen episode that we ever did? I, I don't know if you heard it, but it was awesome hearing somebody from Canada talking about just a few experiences and this is their real life. And what I likened it to was he was talking about everybody loves, they, they brag about this awesome socialized health care we have in Canada. And then he starts exactly. giving examples.
2: Yeah, and how it is. Yeah.
3: And how they made it illegal to even get your own blood work done. If they won't give you a recommendation to go to another doctor or let you get it, you can't get medical care. You cannot even get it whether you're willing to pay for it or not. And um, just just these waiting lists and these examples. And I realized that the people of Canada have had this for, you know, you have something for not even a full generation. And then you have everyone bragging about how great it is. It's like public schools here in America. You have all these people defending public schools and how great they are and how, how we're so lucky we have this. And when you actually look at the detriment that public schools really can create in children and and taking the zeal of learning away from them. It's a robbery. And then also, this is why we have all these socialists. So
2: it's ignorance on their part. And this is, I mean, John, I think you'll agree. It's not because, I mean, it's appealing to the layman, you know, the person down the street who doesn't want to work. It sounds awesome if I could sit on my ass and make as much as if I did work. As of right now is rigged to reward people for not doing
3: it's the difference between consent under coercion and brainwashing and informed consent, right. wouldn't you say about the healthcare, John?
1: Oh, I would say yeah, it's it's completely brainwashing. You know, I mean, it's one of those things that uh, people don't. It's hard for people to to grasp all the implications because it part their healthcare is a scary issue to them mm-hmm. because they they're not doctors and they don't understand and they freak out. And it's really not that complicated to understand that, hey, first of all, competition breeds excellence, yeah. competition breeds better pricing. And really, the reason medical care is so expensive in this in our country right now is not because it's capitalist, it's because it's cronies.
3: Right, exactly. Yes. Did you ever read anything by Mary Ruart? I have. Yeah, so she, she does great books about that.
2: Anyways, I'll so make sure you guys check out America's fastest growing number one pro-Liberty radio program, Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live is on seven nights a week, 190 plus radio stations coast to coast, and is pro liberty every issue, every time. So check out freetalklive.com. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Anyways, this is Johnny Rocket and Raylene Lightheart, always launching ideas. We're talking to John Phillips Jr., running for vice president under the libertarian ticket, trying to get the nomination. Anyways, those, Johnny Rocket, will be right back. Rock and roll. Inflammatory.
0: Evil. Uncalled for. What
3: about my pension? Outrageously
0: offensive. Racist. Ladies and gentlemen, Johnny Rock gets two-minute hate speech.
4: Hate speech? Johnny Rockets.
2: It's 2 Minute 8 Speech, Van and King County, Part 2, Slim Pickens, How Watering Down Liberty Limits Our Options. There are many different factions that one could claim in the liberty movement, but there are really only two separate groups, maybe three. And I'm not speaking about minarchists versus anarchists or left versus right or thick versus thin. To the good people who have been fighting for the actual cause of liberty, I applaud you. You're here not to make a dime or to make a dollar, but to actually spread the message of liberty and not to turn it around into some sort of motivational class. We're here to do the right thing. Rather, it is the one group who is in this because they see the unforgivable damage government policies have wrought. And they will expend every last dollar, every last ounce of energy, every last moment of their time fighting to ensure we see liberty in our lifetimes. They are the backbone, the lifeblood, the shining northern star that guides our movement. It's okay not to know all the principles, especially a new person coming in, or to know all the principles 100% of the time. If you're not sure, that's okay. But it's not okay to reject our principles and call yourself a goddamn libertarian. And then there's this other group. They say outrageous like there should be reasonable gun control they advocate for changes in our tax structure rather than the eradication of it they advocate for some liberty until doing so makes the public squeamish they will run anyone who says they are libertarian whether or not they truly believe and can articulate accurately the message as a candidate because to them they see an opportunity not an opportunity to advance liberty no Rather, they see an opportunity for personal acclaim, professional success, and the power and wealth that comes with both. These are the people who didn't leave the GOP or the DNC because they said that the party they once belonged to was dead wrong about how to take care of a nation and assisted people. They didn't leave because they were disgusted by the military-industrial complex or the huge tax burden placed on the people or the fact that both were nothing less than wolves in sheep's clothing, claiming to care about the things that our nation was founded upon while systematically destroying those very goddamn principles. But our pond is small for a reason. And it's not because of our principle. Our pond is small because we are fighting against a lifetime of indoctrination into a mindset that says the government is not only necessary, but it is good. And it is the cure for all that ails you, even though which all that ails you is the goddamn government. You have people who every 4th of July set off sparklers, eat a hot dog, sing the Star Spangled Banner, but they are completely emotionally and mentally divorced from the principles that founded our country and braved the a fierce individualism and spirit of rebellion into our people. They don't know what liberty is, and they've never tasted it. We are not preaching anything new. But to people who have never heard this message, it's new. It's radical. But what is radical anyways? Radical, after all, is derived from the Greek word from root. So when one says something is radical, they don't mean that it's extreme or frightening. But rather, it's a return to the core, a tapping of the root. But hey, Radicals, it looks like we have a new comedian in town, and he's not that funny. This individual is swinging at Radicals when he should be swinging at the state. Tell me, sir, what's your priorities, and whose side are you really on? Are you really going to tell us that we should shun these members of this caucus? These people who have made an impact on a lot of people's lives. I will not stand for anyone demeaning or discrediting the honorable intentions of some of the hardest working people I know. These people are determined activists and educators who have spent countless hours promoting self ownership and supporting down ticket candidates in their communities alike. People like Mary Ruwart, Harry Brown, Tom Woods, Ron Paul, Rob Stratton, Raylene Lighthart, Mark Montoni, Susan Hogarth, Tom Arnold, Shane Sweeney, Kimberly Ruff, John Phillips Jr., Arvin Vora, David Hoagland, Jacob Lamont, Christopher Roloff, Karen Ann Harlow, Pyrista, Aaron Pyle, Ben Wiegold, Bowen Chapel, David Nolan, Tim Moen, Tarnell Brown, Brenta Ritter, Tiffany Diaz de Leon, Pat Demarest, Daryl Perry, Sherry Voluntary, Roger Paxton, and so many more. I could go on and on and on, but there are too many radicals to count. But guess what? These are my friends. Everyone knows that the tree's branches cannot grow any larger than the root system. If the Libertarian Party is a party of principle, then are we to grow the tree of liberty? Then wouldn't it be incumbent upon us to nurture the root at every opportunity? After all, regardless of where one falls on the political spectrum, one knows that the fastest way to kill a tree is to destroy its roots. In Liberty, this is Johnny Rock. John Phillips Jr., and he's running with my wife for vice, well, he's running for vice president, my wife's running for president under Ruff Phillips, and you can check him out at ruffphillips2020.com. And what we do here, it's tradition, John, it's called Rocket Fire. fire. What we do on Rocket Fire, sirs, I'm going to ask you a series of 10 questions. These questions will be politically related, and if you can answer these questions between 30 to 60 seconds, that'd be badass. John, are you ready to play Rocket Rocket Fire? Yes. All right, here we go. Question one. Do you believe climate change is a real occurrence? Do you believe it's man made? And as vice president, what do you hope to change or influence the direction of our environmental policy?
1: I do believe climate change is a real thing. I believe that the amount that it is man made is definitely up for debate. Matter of fact, I just read an article the other day about how we're going to be in for a cooling trends due to sunspot activity and things like that. Uh, so, what as vice president? Do I have in mind? Well, as vice president, my power on that would be limited other than supporting Kim's policies. But my thoughts are very simple in that, uh, once again, we get government out of the way. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, one of the reasons that oil is still so big is huge government subsidies. The uh, people talk, oh, well, you need to subsidize solar more than or nuclear more than. No, no. Cut it all out. Cut we should all those be. Subsidies exactly. Out. Yeah. But the free market rule. People don't like smog. They'll figure out a way. Exactly.
2: Like I said, we wouldn't be using gasoline if there wasn't any chronic capitalism involved. We probably would have moved on to cleaner fuels already.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's even worse than that. You know that they uh, there are rules about what ethanol they can use in gas when they add the ethanol to it that actually greatly increase the cost of the ethanol.
2: Exactly. Yeah, I understand 100%, dude. All right. Question two. Philosophers have been talking about democracy for thousands of years, but many libertarians find that the idea of democracy is just as bad as socialism.
1: What is your opinion on democracy? I believe that democracy is mob rule when it's direct democracy. And so that is an issue. On the other hand, it's better than, uh, say, living under a tyrant. So it's a step in the right direction in the end. I think that the government should have so little power that it really doesn't flip and matter. Exactly.
2: Exactly. Question three: The United States bans many drugs, imposes heavy taxes on cigarettes, my favorite, and restricts activities like gambling and prostitution. What do you think should be done about these issues? And what can you do in your office?
1: You cannot legislate morality. Period. You know, and that's all those things are our attempts to do, and that's ridiculous and immoral. So, you know, obviously I can bring attention to those things, you know, as my position allows me to work with the Senate and uh, Congress quite a bit. You know, obviously we can influence legislation there. But really, the biggest thing is bring attention, talk to people, you know, hey, go to these legislators that are trying to pass these stupid laws and say, listen, man, that creates more harm than good. You know, especially when I'm talking, you know, hey, like it or not, those drug policies affect minorities far more than anybody else so i can yeah when i'm going to talk to and i did this the other day i was just uh, go talk to a black uh politician saying hey you're saying you're at time marijuana legalization you realize that keeping illegal puts more of your people in jail
2: yeah it's true it's very true very racist laws
1: Absolutely. And that's actually that's that's how they that's how they started was under racism. That's right. Was,
2: yeah. And just like marriage license, same thing. Was a racist law. They didn't want black people and white people getting married. That's the reason why they had the marriage license.
1: Just like gun control. The original gun control was to keep the hands uh, guns out of the hands of black people. That's true. That's very true. All right, man. Question four.
2: John Tomasi's Free Market Fairness argues that long-remembered classical liberal economists and philosophers have long endorsed the conception of social justice according to which institutions should be arranged to benefit society's poorest members. How should and would you handle the concept of criminal justice and social justice, and is social justice really an issue?
1: Criminal justice, let me start with that one because that one's easier for me. Criminal justice, hey, if we get rid of most of these stupid laws that becomes a much easier problem. Criminal justice should only involve if you hurt somebody else or you take their stuff. Anything else shouldn't be involved. Right on, man. Question five. What would you consider to be a good citizen? Somebody that doesn't hurt other people or take their stuff. um, And somebody that honestly gets out and takes responsibility for themselves. You know, that's what the biggest problem I see today is so many, oh, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. Hey, take responsibility for yourself. Right on,
2: man. Question six. Nowadays, a significant number of government consists mainly of technocrats with a few politicians about. If you had to choose who, in your opinion, is likely to do a better job, a politician or a technocrat, and what is your views?
1: My view is is that uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson hit the nail on the head on The Tonight Show a while back when he said, you know, oh, you go through there and you got lawyer, 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 businessman, lawyer, lawyer, you know. Like you said, a few technocrats thrown in there. If you in, in the businessman, where are the teachers? Where are the mechanics? Where are the where are the citizens? Uh, our founding fathers wanted government by the people, by this citizenry, not these upper crust elitist people that have no grasp of what the rest of the country has to live with.
2: I'm with you, man. I am with you. Question seven: Is justice a global concept? A local concept? And is it related
1: to culture? Wow, that's deep. Uh, I would have to say that you know, justice has multiple levels. Um, some levels are global, some levels are local, some are definitely cultural related. But overall, you know, once again, it just comes back to that same thing. If you don't hurt people and you don't take their stuff, then the rest of it is just that. I mean, so the uh, you know, um, different people. The problem being cultures have different thoughts about what is hurting people and what's taking their stuff. Yeah,
2: yeah, sure. All right, man. Question eight. Do you think there will ever be a global government? And if so, what do you think would be the biggest dangers we could face under that global government? I hope not. Oh, I hope so too, yeah.
1: (laughs) That's a, uh, you know, if there is a global government, it really should just be, okay, a way for the U.S. to talk to China and resolve a conflict between the two of them. There should be, very little interference in anything below that level, I and mean, none, no interference. All the stuff that, you know, like the European Union's trying to do and regulate their membership countries, no, that's the wrong way to do it. You know, you know, I would much rather just see, hey, okay, you know, oh, you guys want to have a trade agreement? We're going to witness it. That's our, that's our role. That's it. Done. We're out. Right on, man. Right
2: on. Question nine. In your opinion, what is the most important thing a vice
1: president can do? support their presidential candidate and be vocal. Okay. The, uh, or we've seen too many vice presidents that just sat there and be quiet. And then let's see a while be vocally while being vocal, not sticking your foot in your mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd prefer not to be the subject of Biden memes.
2: <laughs> I gotcha. Or Mike Pence. Like what is Mike? Right. I, I, I haven't heard a word from that guy. He's so
1: quiet. Right. And he could, I mean, you know, get out there. You know, if, you know, get it out there. Talk to people. Be loud on the principles. Absolutely. Question ten.
2: Libertarianism is the philosophy of the non-aggression principle, self-ownership and property rights. If we have a libertarian society, how do you think it could affect the poor and individuals without property?
1: Well, very simply, the, uh, when, when you are free, it allows people to build themselves up. And I heard an interesting analogy the other day talking about everybody being on a boat. And when you raise the boat, you raise everybody in the boat. And so if we're in a libertarian society and we're giving everybody an opportunity to succeed on their own merits, everything will come up. As you see, I mean, just I mean, now, granted, lately, we've just been more and more and more regulation. But as the country founded and went up, we we were fairly libertarian back then, not 100 percent, but fairly. And you watched our standard of living across the country come up. And that's that we're still, you know, when we give those free market things, standard of living for everybody goes up.
2: I'm with you, man. It, everyone moves together. there will be rich, they'll be poor, and they'll be middle class. But at least the poorest of the poor will be
1: a lot richer than other countries. If you take the government protectionism out of it and the cronyism out of it, then that stops keeping people down.
2: Yes, I'm with you, man. All
1: right, so I'm. Gonna,
2: I lied about the rocket fire questions. I said there's ten. I'm. I'm lying. There's actually going to be twelve because I have two questions. And this is. I think this. These are very I think you important. You skipped three. No, I didn't.
3: Oh, okay. I was writing nope. it down. I wasn't paying nope. attention. I
2: got it. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's done. All right. Bonus question number one. If you were a, a traffic sign, what would you be and why?
1: <laughs> all right so uh so the the you know, can i say i'd be exit only
2: no i was gonna say that i said that to kim this morning i read her these questions you obviously didn't hear them but yeah i said the same thing to her i th- I thought you would have said i'd be a stop sign i don't know I'm just throwing it out there
1: no, okay, no, i'm gonna be a, i'm gonna be a, you know it, i don't i'm not gonna be a sign i'm gonna be a big green light
2: <laughs> okay green meaning just go. go
1: just go all right, uh bonus question number two, the final
2: question. What is your greatest failure as a man and who was responsible for it?
1: Wow, as a man?
2: Yeah. Uh, or as a dude, yeah. I don't care. You can answer all yeah. a kid. I could. Yeah shot a rabbit. I don't
1: know. I'm going to skip to the second part of that and come back to the first. Uh, the responsibility falls solely on me. Whatever my biggest mistake was, I, I could blame it on my father, say he did this. I could say my mother did that. But the truth is, is I made the decision. Uh, my biggest failure. Now that's a tough one. I, uh, as a man, that's, that's, uh, I would say that, uh, I try very hard to be a good father and spend a lot of time with my children, but I don't always succeed at that to how much I would like to. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, my biggest failure, it probably is honestly, once you know, is uh, I would I would love to spend more time with my children, more time playing catch, doing those kind of things instead of out trying to work, make money or, you know, or sit in front of the boob tube and space out.
2: Dude, that was... The most beautiful and honest answer, dude. And that's rocket fire. Give it up for John Phillips Jr. Bam. Dude, great answers, great answers. And uh, thank, you. thank you for uh, opening up on that last one. I, I figured you were gonna say like, "Well, I lost my job when I was 18 because I." You know what I mean. I don't know, but no, I, don't uh, know. I've,
1: I've, I have never been fired from a job. So
2: rock and roll, man, rock and roll. Anyways, though, this is Johnny Rocket. Always launching ideas. We're here with John Phillips Jr. running for vice presidential nomination for the Libertarian Party. Anyways, though, we're gonna take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. Rock and roll.
0: Ground control to Johnny Rocket. Ground control to Johnny Rocket. Well, like you asked, I did some research on who was the most badass vice president in history. I think I found a good candidate. Honestly, I half-assed the research, but still
2: get this. Andrew Johnson, vice president for only a couple months during 1865. Yes, he became president when Lincoln was shot, and I'm sure he sucked, but as vice president, first of all, rumor has it he was drunk during his inauguration. Badass. As a congressman, he was against high taxes and regulations that would hurt the common man. Also badass. This guy vetoed public spending bills. He opposed state grants to railroads. At one point, he actually supported cutting all government salaries, including his own. So there you have it. Andrew Johnson, the most badass VP in history. mr john phillips jr who is running for vice president under the libertarian banner trying to get the nomination next year so best of luck to you and my wife i hopefully you guys get the nomination and uh raylene take it away
3: so from all of the data that i've been kind of collecting as we're going along i i'm really seeing that i think you have a very good shot with kim um among the libertarian crowd of getting the nomination uh it's just you're hitting all the right buttons you're You're doing all the right things and you're being principled, which is great. So where we have to go outside of the Libertarian Party, obviously, do you believe that your chances of picking up um, disenfranchised or people on the outskirts of the D's and the R's are going to be your target audience? Or are you guys going to go after the traditionally non-voting, more apathetic, less-trust-in-government-so-they-don't-think-their-voice-matters crowd, which, as you know, a lot of those people— really would be more libertarian if they saw some principles and uh, better, more honesty and a little less Gary Johnson, uh, oh, you know, amen. Bill Weld kind amen. of guys. So where are you at with that? And do you think that you have to concentrate on one or are you going to do both?
1: Uh, there, I was about to say yes. And then you gave me the option of saying both. So yes, Go for the it all. explain yeah. it all to me. Uh, so obviously the disenfranchised, you know, there's an opening there. Mm hmm. They're not happy now. Some of them are not happy for the reasons that are going to make them very anti-libertarian. So, yeah, you know, obviously, there's an issue there. The disenfranchised uh, non-voters are difficult um, because they don't, they, they often don't listen, they often don't pay attention. But realistically, it was something like 60% of the people didn't vote last time. That's right. For the president. Big time. I mean, that's just crazy. The, uh, I mean, if, if did not vote was a candidate. that's who our president would be right now. Uh, There are absolutely a lot of libertarians, big L and small in that group. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. And that's, that's going to be the challenge is getting them out to vote, getting them out to say, Hey, your vote does make a difference. Now, recently here, we had an election come down to one vote. Wow. Our county sheriff is the county sheriff by one vote. Wow. It does make a difference.
3: How many times does that challenge? Just curious how much the taxpayers had to pay to, to fix that. I mean,
1: it's still it's still ongoing. OK.
3: Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So were you really excited just to piggyback on that when people like Tom Woods and Dave Smith and Mance, uh, now known as Pete Raymond, when they started joining the party, trying to uh, validate it as a vehicle for, you know, outreach and and bringing a more principled approach were you excited when that happened because I was
1: what you mean when they joined was I excited
3: yeah the party absolutely
1: I'm, I'm excited when anybody joins the party and I'm disappointed when anybody leaves the party
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh the uh mm-hmm. you know I am I excited about Tom woods and some other people yes because they've got a lot of reach so mm-hmm. absolutely I'm excited about that the I don't always agree with them but honestly I don't always agree with everybody I mean you know everybody and I have you know, okay hey I don't agree with you on this I don't agree with you on that but as long as there's, I'm going hey you do you, I do me, then it's no problem. We're
2: moving in the same direction. Exactly. And there's a lot of things that can be held up to the free market. So, for example, you know, you may not like Chick-fil-A and the way they run their business. And that's up to you because you vote with your dollar, whereas you don't like their their policies. And you may disagree on that aspect of it, but... For the most part, we're all in agreement that it shouldn't be up to us to decide whether or not Chick-fil-A or the government shouldn't, you know, shouldn't be using Chick-fil-A saying, well, we're going to ban them in the state because of the of their ideology, you know, which is and that's not freedom. You can disagree. And I I think the only thing that we should disagree with as libertarians is what is your priorities? What are we going to tackle first? I think all of us as Mm -hmm. libertarians At the core principle value that we hold and, you know, the ideas of the non-aggression principle and property rights, we should all agree that, yeah, we own ourselves. We shouldn't inflict harm. We shouldn't take from people that doesn't belong to us. And at the same time, you may say, well, the Department of Education is my number one priority or like Arvin is. You guys want to do criminal reform, criminal justice reform. That is one of your major topics. But. Even some people would even say that they're, that voting is aggression, right? Some people, some libertarians, anarchists, principled would say that voting is aggression. And I see, I can kind of see where they're coming from. There are some very valid points in their arguments. What is your take on voting? Do you think it is aggression because you are, you're using your own will against everyone else? You're imposing your will on other people, which some libertarians could say that's aggression, What's your thoughts on this?
1: All right, two things. Um, let me step back to the previous question real sure, quick. because sure. What I wanted to say was while I'm excited about those people that join, what I'm really excited about is every time somebody walking down the street walks up to me and says, you know, hey, because of what I heard from either Tom or I get more excited about the everyday people joining than the, than the celebrities.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, um, and to answer your question, is voting aggression kind of? <laughs> but uh, yeah. the uh but in this day and age it's self defense
2: i'm with you on this see that, that i understand defense their point defensive
3: voting is a, is an actual thing i think mm-hmm. so
2: yeah and i think there's some validity in that because i mean if you don't vote you're just going to get raked over the coals you know what i mean you're going to get raked over the coals and you are whereas at least when you vote if you vote defensively and you vote no you're not voting for more you're not voting you're not spending money and you vote for negative rights you're in the clear
1: Right. And you know, and honestly, oh yo, yo, know, you can't get elected. You might want I right, well, you know, I right, I'm voting for ballot access. I'm voting for my voice to be heard. I'm voting for your voice to be heard. I mean Bernie's a perfect, I hate Bernie. Yeah. I mean well, I do too. He hates a strong hates a strong word, but I dislike his policies.
3: Bernie. Yeah. He,
1: uh, guy but, yeah. Uh, but uh I'm not holding back. He didn't get elected, but he changed a lot of the direction of the yeah. Democratic Party. So because people went out and listened to what he had to say and said, Hey, we like what he's got to say. Now we don't like what he's got to say, but so the same thing applies. If these people don't go out and vote, then nobody's hearing them say, hey, we like what this guy's got to say. We like what this party's got to say. We like what this group's got to say. And so they accomplish nothing. Absolutely.
3: You know, what's really great about Bernie, though, and this is one thing I have to say, is that he got the conversation going by pointing out problems. Now, I hate all of his solutions. He and I are not friends, but I do like that he was uh, identifying with people about what the problems were. This is where libertarians can uh, swoop in and actually educate on on these things and and that's why I like I love the party to be validated by people who are really principled to get it to be more educational and to get that all out there. But I do agree that the little guy is important. By the way, Kim did a great job on our debate bringing it back to um, small businesses and bringing it back to localization. And that's one thing that she really thrived in. And that's something that you guys are in agreement on.
1: Absolutely. I thought she did phenomenally in that debate. And I thought, mm-hmm. think she's done phenomenally in every debate. The uh, But uh, yeah, the, first of all, let's talk about small business being, what is it, 70% of the co- economy? Uh, yeah, some number like that. And uh, you you can't go to a town and not, and say, oh, Nobody, you know, this is all big business. You know, there's mom and pop stores everywhere and localization, you know, Hey, if I go spend my money at their store, then, then it keeps it local. And if I keep government out of their business, cause I mean, what business is it of Washington or even, you know, say in Illinois, what business of it is, is a Springfields. If I want to go to my neighbor and say, Hey, can you cut my hair?
3: You're right. Exactly. You know, why
1: are they, why are they saying, Oh no, you need 2000 hours of classwork before you can <laughs> Well, God. The, yeah,
2: because they're the picking of, the winners and losers. Exactly.
1: In the state of Illinois, you have to have more classwork to be a hairstylist than you do to be a police officer. That's
3: a lot of places.
1: Yeah,
2: That's ridiculous. All okay, right. Uh, really quick, John. I know that your campaign has been really working hard and I figured, hey, maybe you can take the opportunity here the last few minutes of the show. Talk about some of the people in your campaign, what they've been doing, who are the rising stars of the campaign, the Rough Phillips 2020 campaign, and uh, just some information about your
1: team. Oh, wow. We've got so many good people. I'm going to, I'm going to feel bad if I leave somebody out. Uh, Obviously, Emily Hurtley is our campaign manager and everybody's like, wow, does she know how to do that? The answer is yes. She keeps us all all our ducks in a row. She keeps us all in line, you know, just like anything else. We don't always agree, but the, uh, she has stepped up with flying colors. Uh, Michelle McCutcheon or Michelle Renee, as most people know, we're on Facebook. Uh, the, uh, wow. You know, amazing amounts of outreach. Aaron Meadows has stepped up into and was doing volunteer organization, and has now stepped into communications, and has released some amazing stuff. the uh, The list just got Tyler Smith. Uh, we just recently picked up Trish Lynch, in which I, you know, she's got this very Irish name that I can't pronounce. So <laughs> okay. <laughs> (laughs) I'm going to color Trish just like everybody else stepped in and has just brought in a bunch of people on policy. We've got Ashley Shade as our treasurer who has uh, turned, you know, just turned that department around. Has got it completely organized. We're fundraising. We're, uh, yeah, it's just amazing.
2: So I mean, so you got a great team. I know that it's like a big family because I, I mean, I have to hear the conversations at night (laughs) and they're pretty hilarious sometimes. Sometimes you know, and like you said, you know, the campaign team is fun. I mean, you guys, yeah, you when when business needs to be handled, you guys handle it. But for the most of the part of the time, it's a very positive experience and you guys are all kind of working together. And as Kim has told me, and I find this very interesting, is that there is an actual hierarchy. You guys actually are, and you guys have lanes. Like if somebody says, I think we should do this, well, you're the communications director, you'd make it happen. I mean, right. what do you have to say about that? Because she said we actually have a hierarchy.
1: We do. And not only that, but not only we do have a hierarchy in an organizational chart, but we put people in those positions and then let them do their job. You know, I mean, every now and then something will come up to our level and we'll say, "Okay, hey, I agree or I disagree, but uh even when that happens, if somebody, you know, um, we I just just had something I disagreed with somebody on, but they made a very strong case for it, and I said, "Well, we put you in that position, and I'm going to trust your judgment." The because uh, that's, you know, that's what they're there for. Uh but we we are you know, it's organized. It's it's not just a bunch of people standing around throwing out ideas. Um, though we, there is quite a bit of that. But people look at it and go, okay, hey, I've got this idea for communications. Okay, go talk to Aaron. Hey, I've got this idea for media outreach. All right, go talk to the media person. Hey, I've got this idea for social media. Okay, go talk to Josh Barton. Mm-hmm. You know, the, uh, we know they, people know who to talk to. And hey, sometimes they get a little excited. And uh, we, they, we absolutely encourage that. And they'll blurt out an idea. And then we just direct them in the right direction. And, and things happen. Right on, man.
2: Anyway, so, Raylene, prepare for landing. Roger that, Johnny. Seatbelts and shoulder harnesses. Your body, your choice. Landing gear and downward expanders.
3: NAP initiated.
2: Anti-state superchargers.
3: Defragged and woke.
1: Landing lights and guest websites. John, give us your dot-coms. www.ruffphillips2020.com www.johnphillipsforliberty.com Facebook is Rough Phillips 2020. We've got pages for every state, and then adding Puerto Rico, Liberland, and Somalia. Somalia!
2: I saw that. That is awesome. <laughs> I am like, this is awesome.
1: You guys have the only page in Somalia. And we also, have there's Twitter. I mean, you know, if you search for Rough Phillips on any social media, you'll find that some of us are, some of them are more active than others, so we did just pick up uh, like a crew of five or six people who just want to do Twitter. So
2: Nice. Hot. I wish we had that on Launchpad Media. <laughs> but see, you guys are very uh, influential and you guys are doing a really great job. And again, John, thank you so much for being here on the show. And if you want to hear more of John, what what can they do, Raylene? Well, What can they do, our listeners? What can they do?
3: I have the answer. I am so glad. If, if you want to listen to the after party where we put him on blast with the listener questions, please go to supportblastoff.com. That is support blastoff.com and subscribe for only a dollar an episode and you'll get to hear it all.
1: I did it. It's well worth it.
2: Oh, thank you. Yeah, you are, John. You did actually do it. I really appreciate it. And it's uh, I'm glad you like the shows. I mean, they're kind of fun and sometimes that's where the real nitty gritty comes out.
3: There's a lot more weight in this show and in our podcast than you would at first notice with all the sound effects and the and the formula and everything that we got going on and we're silly and there's Johnny's just awesome with Johnny and his dad jokes. <laughs> and then we have some really great guests and in-depth conversations and there's some real meat with these
2: potatoes. Yeah, there's a lot of of good stuff. And a lot of times, sometimes I think like, God, I wish this would have been said on the main show because sometimes some of our content and sometimes some of the stuff we get out of our guests is actually better than what was on the actual free show. So again, supportblastoff.com. And we really do appreciate it because that's what actually pays our bills. So anyways, it's Johnny Rocket, always launching ideas. We'll be back next week. Rock and roll. And again, check out BlastoffShow.com to hear more episodes. Rock and roll.